Hello, welcome to another episode of the Horror Vision Horror Podcast. I'm Sean. I am Anthony. And I'm Ray. And hey, guys, as Anthony pointed out to me this week, this is basically our two-year anniversary. So happy anniversary to y'all. Uh, two I'd years also of like, terror. Two years of terror. I'd also like to point out to any maybe other podcasts that might exist that might be using our name since, you know, like a year ago um, that we have actually been around longer. So fuck off. No, we, yeah. well, I mean, kind of, but you know, I don't, don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. But same time, you know, I mean, it would be, I feel like it would be really hard to start a podcast and not realize that there already is a podcast with that name. You know? True. So, yeah, 2018 is when we started. So that trumps yeah. 2019. So anyway. Plus, I, I challenged them to a pickaxe fight, so. <laughs> No, seriously. I mean, we're all. No, I, I don't. No, I know. I know. So you know, hopefully, what would end up happening is like we'll just I don't know, come to some kind of whatever. This is this is literally like breaking news. Like, <laughs> but anyway. Um, so guys, so happy two year anniversary. Um, what are let's do let's just do our round robin. What are we uh, what are we watching? Uh, Anthony, what are you watching? Yeah, um, I just watched uh, Clyde Barker's Books of Blood on um, on Hulu. Okay, how is it? Ooh, uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it's 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 okay. I'm not gonna say it's great. I I get that they were trying to go for a new spin on it. They added some new um, material, but all the best material is already there. Clive Barker already wrote it. It's already been you know iterated in other different um, you know uh, films. We already had another books of blood movie that came out before there was, you know, midnight meat train, like the stuff, this stuff has been done before. And unfortunately it was better executed then. Um, I didn't hate this movie, the wraparounds. Okay. Um, I like how the stories tie together. Uh, there's a, there's a, there is one, you know, solid story that is, that, that does pull everything together. And that's the, um, the, the book of blood story itself. Right. Is that the Beyond wraparound? That, everything is new. It's quasi okay yeah but it's not it's not horrible it's not gory it's got a couple of instances where you're kind of creeped out but beyond that there's no terror or anything like that you're definitely not as scared as you are watching the book uh do i recommend it if you're already paying for hulu why the hell not if you like clive barker it's not clive barker <laughs> but you know even though he he had a, a production credit on it i'm sure he's just you know taking a check at this point which is sad, but it's well, not horrible. Well, you saw, so first of all, you saw he, he, he like hit Twitter last week or the week before with like, hey guys, I'm back. And he's on, he's like publishing a novel and a book of short stories and a book of poems, like all this stuff. So looks like he'd been kind of saving up to, to hit the ground running, which is, is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, so this is interesting because my good friend, Missy, um, hi, Missy, she's probably listening. Um, she was going to watch this the other day and I was like, Hey, just so you know, like I was excited about it. I didn't see the books of blood that came out. I don't know, like what, six, seven years ago. It was like direct to DVD. It didn't, yeah. I don't know. I, I liked midnight meat train. I've been weary of all the, other, you know, there was one for uh, dread, which I love the story. And I was like, I just don't see them doing this. I, I mean, I should watch it before I say that, but whatever. But, um, I've actually heard good things about that one. Um, I just, really? it's just never been one that I, I got to. I love that story. Um, but so, you know, it, it's interesting seeing this and like, I got excited. And then when I saw 
like an interview where they said that they basically had written news because when I watched the trailer, I was like, I don't recognize, and I just reread a large part of the books of blood. So I'm like, I don't recognize almost any of this. So no, I, there's, there's little to, to not, there, there's really not much holding it together other than, like I said, the book of blood story itself, right. which, which create, which creates, you know, this little universe that, you know, the rest of the stories exist in. Which is kind of cool. It's it's it's, yeah. a, it's got a couple of decent concepts in it, like I said, but it's not it's not what you remember, and it's definitely not what you read. I mean, it it makes sense that they would use that as kind of the connective tissue, but I just don't know why they would write new stuff. And they said that they like wrote it, if I remember correctly, like with Barker, but I don't think he actually wrote it. So I've noticed he's been doing a lot of stuff. He has a production company called Seraphim, which is really weird because when I look for the website, there's like nine other production companies with the same name. This is relevant to one of the things I was going to talk about because I just read this book called The Toll, which is... A, oh, the, the, the Hellraiser book. Yeah, and it's not written by Barker, but it's a similar thing where it's like Mark Miller, who is a guy that works with Barker at Seraphim Productions, wrote it. And I guess, you know, it spawned out of like conversations he had with, with Clive about, you know, what would have happened. And it's, it's interesting because I also just read uh, Hellbound Heart. And the thing I forgot about that is... Kirsty is not, you know, it's not Frank and his brother. Um, uh, what in the movie is? It, it's not Nathan. What I forget the father's name, but in the book, it's Frank and his and it's Julia and then their friend Rory and Kirsty's a friend. So there isn't that like familial connection. So I always thought that like, okay, Hellbound Heart is great, but Barker used the movie, which he wrote and directed to perfect the story. And so he added the thing where it's Kirstie's the daughter of the man married to Julia, right? And um, so it's interesting, the toll bridges the gap between the movie Hellraiser and then the Scarlet Gospels, which you, Anthony, have recommended to me multiple times. And I'm definitely going to read very soon. I've been wanting to read it. But so it's just weird. Like I didn't love the toll. Like Mark Miller's a he's a fine writer, but it just didn't it didn't do anything that I thought it was. It should have been longer. Some of the ideas were not developed really at all. So some of the concepts I liked, and I liked catching up with Kirsty, but I, I thought that the the Boom comic actually did a better job of showing us what Kirsty had done, you know, after. But so in other words, with with this and then this Books of Blood, it seems like this production company idea is where like, while Barker has been kind of, you know, where he's been, I don't want to say a hermit, but he's been away from the spotlight and apparently working on all this new stuff. It seems like he has kind of farmed out some of his concepts to other people that have run with them. And so both the toll and, and this Hulu books of blood sound like that. And I just, I don't know if I care about expanding outside of his hand. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yes and no. The only the only thing I'm looking forward to is that Hellraiser show because I think we've talked about it before. Where there's there's a there's a wealth of of uh, yeah. mythos that's been created by other writers now. That's very interesting, and I, yeah, I don't mind seeing that stuff. So it, it'd be really cool to see that. That's true. I hadn't even thought of that the, the toll in that context. So actually, I I really should correct my thinking because then yeah, you're right. I mean, all those comics, those old comics you lent me from the 80s and 90s and like all of that. I love all of that. So I think there is a lot of room. So you're right. I think maybe just the toll wasn't exactly what I wanted from it. And then it sounds like this Books of Blood is just, I mean, I'm weary of like other people writing stories and then like using a Barker vehicle as like 
the connective tissue for them. It seems kind of like just use the, I don't know, maybe I'm that, No, I agree with you because that was the issue that I had with this film, but it is what it is. Ray, what about you? What have you seen? Recently they hit, um, what was it? Shutter dropped the mask of the red death and followed house of usher. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd never seen those. So I decided to watch them. Just, uh, been kind of spending my time watching some classics and I like them both. Uh, they are very much of the period. So they're a little bit, um, it's not, not hokey is not the right word. They're a little bit, uh, I don't know, slow. They don't have, they, they depend a lot on development of time and, 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 uh, building towards, endings rather than um scares a, a lot uh but i thought they were both pretty entertaining i thought they were, i liked them quite a bit um vincent price is great in both of them like he's a different character in each one one he's a little bit more of a coward like like scared coward and the other one he's a lot more arrogant and powerful and and uh and, yeah they're, they're, good, they're a good time i think they're worth watching um, I, you know, when I saw that they were releasing or that they had dropped those, uh, the mask of the red death, I'm not positive. We were talking about Sven recently. I grew up watching mm -hmm. as a kid, son of Sven in Chicago. You know, he's this horror host. If you guys don't know about him, actually you can find some stuff on YouTube. Um, I, I, I love him. Um, but I used to watch his show and that was one movie I, I remember my dad had to turn it off because it scared the fuck out of me. I don't even remember what it was about it. So I really want to revisit it. Interesting. And I started watching it the other day after you said you watch it, but it was like one of these like after work and I had only had a couple oh. hours of sleep the night before. So I passed out almost immediately, but I'm really looking forward to it. And, th and then I have never seen the house of usher. Uh, <laughs> I have seen, I, I have unfortunately seen uh, Ken Russell's, fall of the louse of usher which is completely fucking crazy <laughs> i don't know that i would recommend it in, oh my god i'm just like the images springing up on imdb for this are taking me back to a bizarre cinematic experience but yeah i'm I, dude you're very good at watching classic stuff i i love you for that because i hey <laughs> hey chris what's up chris happy, happy two-year anniversary Happy anniversary, guys. I thought you were about to sing. That's fun. <laughs> oh, um, I bring flowers. Yeah. You, well, you don't bring me flowers anymore. Oh. Yeah, I know. That was lame. Chris, you're perfect, perfectly timed. What have you been watching? Give us something. We're going round robin. Right back to me. I need to grab my headphones real fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, that's fine because okay. I, I, I can add one thing, which is um, you mentioned Spenguli, and um, you can actually cast Spenguli out here. It's on yeah. TV, um, and it's on every Saturday at like, I believe it's eight, eight to ten. So he still runs, he still shows movies, and it's uh, yeah. I, there, there was actually there's something else I'm going to bring up later that I watched through him, and um, yeah, it's nice because it's. You know, he actually presents the entire movie. It's not like weirdly edited or anything. Um, I actually watched what was it? Halloween Six on Prime. Yeah, I liked it. I did. I did. I liked the whole Thor mythology. But the only thing that pissed me off was that it was part of AMC Plus subscription. Dude, so that shit is bullshit. 
That is a yes, bullshit description. Oh my god! Yeah, apparently Sean has run into this before. I ran into it last fucking night. It's fucking the, bullshit. The movies are weirdly edited, like for TV. So like they're showing you what they edited for TV. So like some of the swearings weirdly edited out, and like and like they do like these weird cuts, and it's obviously because they're doing it for commercials and for. But it's just and it's a pay. Like, oh man, it's, it's a fucking, fucking pay movie? subscription and. I, I was looking up multiple Stephen King movies yesterday, and all of them were on that. And so I go to the AMC app, and um, Kirsten's mom has DirecTV, so we put in, you know, the subscriber shit. We get the AMC app going, and none of them are on there. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I realize, oh, it's AMC Plus, right? So I go yeah. look at that. It's pay. And then I'm reading about it, and it's and it's I'm, I see other people going, what the fuck? I paid for this, and and. They're edited. <laughs> like, what? Like, it's oh, terrible. Dude, and terrible. on top of it, a lot of their, dude, so AMC owns Shutter. So a lot of the shit that they have on there, it's just basically AMC and their edited bullshit and then Shutter. Yeah, All but I'm afraid, I would be afraid to watch anything that would possibly be connected to Shutter because who knows what kind of weird edits they're doing because they show some of the Shutter stuff on AMC now. But I would figure they do, do like commercial editing or something, and it's got to be fucking weird. I don't know. That's it's that's uh, anyway. Good. Uh, I'm glad yeah. you brought it up, Chris. What do you but got? I like the movie. <laughs> uh, me actually, I just got done um, binging the first uh, season of the CBS show Evil. So I've I saw billboards for this when the show first started. I, I think. Are they on a second season now? The second season is coming. I don't know okay. exactly when because of COVID and all that stuff. I don't know if they even got around to being able to film any of okay. it. But I know that it is uh, renewed for a second season. So, uh, yeah, it's a really, really interesting show. Um, basically, it is um, it's Mike uh, Coulter, I think is how you say it, uh, who played Luke Cage. Okay, okay. It's him. He is a um, a priest in training. He's in his third year of seminary. <laughs> um, and uh, he teams up with a, um, a forensic psychiatrist or psychologist um, and then another kind of tech guy. And basically they're paid by the Catholic Church to investigate um, different possibilities of um, possessions or uh, miracles and then find out, you know, either prove or disprove them um, on behalf of the church. So it involves a lot of exorcisms and a lot of things like that where they're trying to debunk things. Um, but what I really enjoy with it is the main antagonist is um, Michael Emerson. Michael Emerson, yeah, who previously was Ben Linus on Lost. And man, he is just such a weaselly character. He does weasel good. If you, I mean, he obviously oh, on Lost, he, right? But also, yeah. he was in the first Saw movie. And honestly, to, the last time I went back and watched that, which, you know, it's, it's rare. I mean, I, those movies are problematic at best. But um, I th I think he does one of, he's probably the best member of the cast. It's like the the eventual lost alumni. It's him and the guy that played Miles. I forget his that actor's name, but 
they're way better than the stars who suck. Glover and uh, Carrie Elwes are just awful in that movie. But it, Michael Emerson, he's he's a good actor. Yeah, and um, like I mean, God, he he really gets under your skin, and he really makes your blood boil. The stuff that that he pulls and manages to get away with, you know, basically, you know, it's not a spoiler because you find out in the first episode there, you know, he is a um, I don't want to say a rival um, forensic psychologist, but basically, he gets hired by the gals. Um, by her former um, bosses to basically be a second pair of eyes after they let her go. And he is going through all of basically undoing everything that she did. If oh, she wow. says, no, this, this person is, uh, isn't competent to fit tr- to sit trial, you know, this kid here, uh, you know, he can't be tried as an adult because of this, this, and this, he's purposely going in and saying, uh, you know, no, he can get tried because of this. And he's just, wrecking shop and the whole thing is that he's a uh, satanist he is just trying to he just does evil for the sake of doing evil i that's interesting i i think originally i had read something about the show that turned me off a little bit and it was the depiction of satanists as evil where i'm not a satanist but also like i know enough about satanism to know that it has nothing to do with evil so i always kind of get a little bit chafed at things like stories or, or you know fiction that uses like oh the evil like satanists who do evil like, i mean it's just it's kind of such a like okay this isn't 1983 you should kind yeah. of better well it, but, well in this case i mean it's it's more like you know biblical satanism you know they right. get into a lot of um you know there's a lot of talk about demons and you know a lot of you know visions and things like that so it really i don't know it, it manages to work in this show Okay. I'll definitely give it a shot. I, I happen to have all access right now. and uh, Yeah, and the first season's on Netflix as well, too. Oh, oh well, th- that's even better. Uh, Anthony, what do you got? I watch Ron Bonk's House Shark. Wait, and Ron he, Bong? Got Ron Bonk? Like oh, Bong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's literally about a shark that comes out of someone's toilet and eats people in a, in a house. It's exactly it's, what you think it is about and it's amazing like they do it's it, incredible it, it's incredible um it's it totally I, I i compare it to like those like guar movies where everything's you know diy yeah lots of rubber <laughs> lots of foam lots of splatter really really tasteless jokes it's it's hysterical it's not pc and it's funny shit and, and gory <laughs> I had a blast watching it, and I was like, this movie has no business being two hours long, and it's so fucking fun oh the whole gosh. time. It's wow. stupid how, how good it is, and uh, it's like, I've seen this thing at Walmart before, like, sitting on the shelf for 10 bucks. I'm like, nobody's going to watch that shit, and I watched it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's changed my fucking life, man. It's so good. That's amazing. It's fucking great. <laughs> Everybody I gotta say, I gotta add one thing, and that's it. And I don't, I don't know if anyone else saw this post, but Anthony actually watched this based off of he posted uh, pictures of three different movies on Instagram and asked people to vote, like, which one should I watch? And I guess that one. Uh, so I ended up looking, checking out the trailer online, and it totally looked like a trauma movie. So it's I, I can imagine it's fun. It's so good. 
It's so good. I implore everybody to watch. Waste two hours of your life watching Count Shark. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, yeah, another quick tidbit. Ray, I actually have a, a red mask that I wear out in public, and I call it my, ras- my, my, my mask of red death. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. I checked out the first episode of Hulu's Monsterland, which is an adaptation of that um, Nathan Ballingrud's book, uh, first collection of short stories, North American Lake Monsters. And uh, man, oh, wow. Wow. Uh, first episode's called Port Forshawn, Louisiana. And it's really good. I think it was Megan Navarro on Buddy Disgusting wrote a review of the show and basically said like, it's really good, but it's not like, it's super heavy. I forget how she worded it. She worded it more eloquently, but man, it, it resounded with me for quite a while afterwards and just left me feeling re- it's funny. Like the stories didn't fuck me up nearly as much as seeing them so far with this one as like seeing them filmed. It really kind of fucked with me. And they changed the ending a little bit, but it was essentially the same. Um, but yeah, wow. It, it's, I'm looking forward to watching more of it. So really, really like that. Uh, Ray, what do you got? Uh, well, um, I watched Werewolf of London. Mm-hmm. And um, if it's on, it's weird because I'd never heard of it before. And then I joined Peacock and I saw it on there. And then I remembered that I had an episode of Swinguli recorded that showed it. So I watched it. It predates, it's a universal werewolf movie. It predates the Wolfman. And interestingly enough, the guy that did the makeup effects for that movie later went on to do the Wolfman. And the very first like test uh, look for the werewolf that he did in the Werewolf of London was later what he used in the Wolfman. Um, it's, so, it's good. It's definitely worth the time. It's about this uh, guy who's a scientist who goes to, uh, if I remember correctly, maybe Tibet, and he's looking for this flower that only grows in moonlight, and he finds it, but when he finds it, he gets attacked by a werewolf, doesn't realize it, comes back to London, and turns into a werewolf. Um, but yeah, it's got it's got solid performances and it's a good time. Um, and then get a group at another with another film, and that's that. Yesterday, uh, I watched the original Fly, which surprised me. Um, right. More Vincent Price. I'd never seen it. Uh, I of course seen the um, one from the eighties, the uh, the Cronenberg, yeah, and it's it's different. Like the thing that really kind of it was impressive to me was that in the original, the movie begins with uh well i'll just give it away because it's right there at the beginning of the movie with the scientist who has been turned into the fly creature being killed by his wife using uh industrial ice water no oh sorry no an industrial press (laughs) and um and then she's being charged with his death and he believes that they're they're also not sure she's insane because she's saying like she can't explain it and why would she have done this because they were in so much love um and vincent price plays the guy's brother and he's trying to figure out what's going on and then she goes into the backstory of what happened so it's kind of told in reverse and i was like this is really cool for this time period for them to shoot it in such a way um but yeah it's it's worth the time i um i'll I'll 
I'll admit to one thing, which is I didn't want to pay to rent it. So I found it on Daily Motion and watched it that way for free. Isn't it in a public domain at this point? I guess yeah. not. Because no? a lot of places are like have it for like two ninety nine, three ninety nine, something like that. So wow. I would think so, but no. Yeah, because Shout has the distribution rights to it oh, right there now. Because they're, push, ah, they're pushing the, the, the fly box set, which I bought and is pretty awesome because it's got them all in there. Right, right. Nice. Hey, hey, Ray, Ray, don't, no, no, don't lie. Now, I know that you watched the, uh, the VP debates and the fly is what made you want to watch the fly. <laughs> no, I need to rewatch the, uh, the, the remake. I really do. I haven't watched it in years. I think... Because and the honestly, sequel, you have, to, you have to do the double feature. Oh, man, the sequel's so hard for me. I saw those both, uh, like, about a year or so after they came out when they hit cable as a kid. And, man, oh, I'm still, I still am bothered by so many moments in that first one. And in the second one, I'm so bothered by the dog mutilation going through the uh, transporter moment. Like, that. I was watching that with my sister when I was a kid. We both paused the movie, started weeping, and ran to our mother. Like, <laughs> up. I love that you said weeping. I mean, he loved that dog, and then the poor <laughs> dog just got utterly fucked up. So, yeah, you're a little kid. You're watching that. That fucks you up, man. Man, I'm missing out. I need to see those. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a prime, uh, what, Eric Stoltz, right? Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Stoltz. Yeah. Anthony, what do you got? Veronica. Glenn oh. Danzig. Motherfucking Veronica. I, dude, you are made of much sterner stuff than me, sir, because I literally couldn't. As soon as I saw it, and I knew it was there, as oh, God, it's it's so if bad. If you've ever wanted someone to take a giant shit on your face and then just smear it, <laughs> it, it like, is so bad. And it's go. not. It's not like I expected, I expected like, oh, it's the room of horror and the room is, you know, the first two times you see the room, it's like, well, I can't stop watching this train wreck. The room is fucking award winning by comparison. Yeah, Giant piece of shit, man. This movie I mean, is fucking bad on all accounts. Oh my God. That's amazing. It's horrible. How many viewings did it take you to get through? Yeah, uh, probably about five. How many, how many, how many Xanax did you have to pop in order to get through? <laughs> Bottles. 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 No, it was bad. It's like, it was like the third time I got into it. I was like, Jesus, I'm only 45 fucking minutes into this thing. It's horrible. It's so bad. He just hired a bunch of strippers and, and like porn stars who can't Wait, act and shit. Like there was literally like a 10 a legitimate... minute sequence of like pole dancing. Well, did you ever read? Did you ever read any of the comics? Oh, yeah, I did. I like Jaguar yeah. God and, and a couple of his other ones that, that he did back then. But this is trash, trash, <laughs> hot trash. It yeah. sucks so bad. Please don't watch it. Yeah, man, it's not even. A, it's so bad. It's good. Chris, you have you seen it? Because I know you. We were like almost gonna go see the premiere on that rooftop theater. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I uh, I, I have downloaded it. Uh, I have not had the opportunity to get around to watching it yet primarily because uh I, everything that i've heard about it so far has been putting me off put that shit in the delete just yeah dude seriously get rid of it. <laughs> the, like the first three minutes was funny I, and i didn't know that morella was a pre-existing like female character because there's a jim winorski movie from the 80s called the haunting of morella um which i didn't know until this but I tripped off the beginning because it's this chick that like has another chick chained up and she pokes out her eyes or whatever and she's like I'm Morella 
and my my girlfriend's last name is Morella, so I was like, oh, you gotta see this baby, it's hysterical. And then like the first skit starts, and it's like this chick dry humping this guy, and then she takes her top off, and she's got eyes in her nipples. And I had heard every every review mentions this. It's not <laughs> it's not that it's not that that all happens, but it's like there's this like CGI spider and like. It's the worst CG. I mean, I'm like, is this 1998? Like, seriously? It's criminally bad. It's, it's so bad. And I just, man, I I don't want to talk shit about him because, like, Danzig was very important to me musically. And, like, I, I, I guess for years and years I thought that, you know, if he was to do these, like, I knew he had aspirations in the, in the other media and mm -hmm. mediums. And I thought if he did them, I would connect with them somehow. I'll never forget in the nineties when Veronica one and Jaguar God one came out. Jaguar God one. I don't know. It's fine in that. Like the art. Cause what it's very Frazetta or is it Frazetta? Yeah. I don't it's yeah. Frazetta. Like he uses all that stuff from like death dealer. And everything. Yeah. Death yeah. Dealer. Yeah. But like nothing happens in it. So it's just basically an art book, which kind of always annoys me. That was big in the 90s, you know, with image and stuff in, in the early years. But and then also like the Veronica was just awful. I mean, just like n it was it was like Marvel Comics presents if it was done by like patients of of uh, lobotomy or something. I don't know, it was so bad. So <laughs> I had to disconnect with him there. And it, like over the years, it's just like. I still connect with some of his music, but more and more he just does things where I'm like, dude, you are so out of touch. Like, he feels like he has to like pound his chest and pretend like he's not aging. Oh and man, have you have you gotten a chance to? Have you heard his his last release he just put no, out? I dude, I've not heard the Elvis covers. Dancing, dancing seems sings Elvis. I, yeah. You know what? And I remember twenty years ago, I would have fucking waited in oh. line for that album. But you no, know what? You now know what? it's. It's 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 awful. I mean, the biggest thing too with with him. And this is you know going off off on the side a little bit here. The biggest thing is the dude he has George Lucas syndrome. Either yes, he's surrounded he does, by yes. a bunch of either he's surrounded by yes men who yep. refuse to tell him otherwise, or he just does everything himself. Because for the last like three albums, four albums maybe he's put out every single one, you know the volume on the vocals is skyrocketed yep. way too high and the music is so fucking low. Yep. And it's like, okay, we get it. You sing, you're a singer, you can sing pretty well, but fucking get somebody else to mix that shit. Yeah, man. dude, seriously, ever since Circle of Snakes, I'm, I'm a fan of I Lucifari, Danzig 7, but mm -hmm. uh, Circle of Snakes, I like a couple songs on it, but it's the first one where I was like, what the fuck is up with the production on this record? Like, yeah. The voice is so and 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 he, you see live. I've seen him live many times, not in years, but yeah, for a yeah. couple of years, I saw him every time he came through Chicago. And and it, it's like he's he's failing. Like he won't admit he can't hit certain notes. And it's like, dude, stop, stop, play to your strengths, man. And yeah. it's exactly, it's exactly, it's yes men. And oh man, it just makes me so sad. I think he could be making great music if he just had the right, you know people around him and the right producer definitely for sure ray you're up you were i was gonna go into uh because you talked about house shark and i recently watched a couple movies that i thought were 80s films they're they're really ridiculous like they're, they're clearly like horror comedies um but they're also like gory and funny and that was uh blood diner and uh 
Blood Niner and Doom Asylum. Yeah. Um, both just really ridiculous. Like, it, but they kind of are like fun in their concept and also in their execution. Like, Blood Diner is about these two brothers who's, uh, and it's on everything. Like, I think it's on Hulu and I think it's on uh, Prime and I don't know if it's on Shutter, but you can probably find it in a lot of places. It's very cheesy, very funny and gory. And it's about these two brothers who are um, trying to, with the help of their dead uncle, who's a jar, who is a brain in a jar with, ha- with eyeballs connected to it, resurrect an ancient Egyptian god, Shetan, through a blood orgy. And it's just fucking ridiculous. Like, it's got a lot of humor. Like, they, and they do, they have to do so through, like, finding sacrifices um, through a diner that they both run. Like, the one brother runs the front end. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The one brother runs the front end, like, serves the guests, and he's a hit, and he, and he knows hypnotism. And then the other brother is this like wrestling obsessed chef, and like it's the kind it's almost it's almost trauma. Like there's a moment in it where, like the one brother is constantly watching. I know you're laughing. Is constantly watching wrestling while he's preparing food for the people in the diner. And this guy is sitting there who comes in all the time, whose nickname is Vitamin. Like that's what they call him. It's just this fat guy, and he's constantly like, burr, burr, like eating food but burping. Oh my god! And like he, the brothers watching the wrestling, and the guy is like, "Hey, can you turn that off? Like, you know that shit's fake." And it just annoys the brother to the point of like, he's like, "What?" And he jumps over the counter and starts choking the guy. And because he's choking him, like for some reason, it, it induces vomiting and vitamins, so he starts puking up people at the diner. And you're like, "What is this?" But it's this throwaway moment in the fucking movie. Oh my god! And it's just. I think the reason I brought it because it's so emblematic of how bizarre and all, all over the place the movie is, but it's still fun. Um, it still sounds like an Academy Award winner compared to Veronica, but... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Keep going. And Doom Asylum, I think I, I talked to you, with you about it the other day, is this... It's so uh, trite. Like, you know, they're not breaking new ground. Guy... Is it, it, it? There's this madman. I don't even want to go into his backstory, but there's this madman, and he lives inside of an old abandoned asylum. Apparently, one of the big things about the film was that it actually filmed inside of an actual abandoned asylum. And uh, these kids come to the asylum because they hear about, like, oh, you know, I hear strange stuff happens there. I know, I hear it's haunted. So of course, kids want to come there. You know, high school, college kids, and he starts picking them off and murdering them in fairly gruesome ways but it's you know it's again a comedy like there's this ridiculous moment where like the one one of the lead characters this girl her mother died when she was young and she's standing there talking to her boyfriend and she's sad about her mom being gone and the boyfriend is kind of like the lead like athletic guy like you know hunky character but he's also a complete moron and he's like trying to make her feel better and he says to her hey uh, I know you miss your mom. If you want, you can call me mom. And then she starts going, okay, mom. Hug me, mom. And it's so bizarre to hear this girl calling her boyfriend mom, but it's clearly done for comedy. And like, there's just so many moments like that in that film where you're just like, what is this? This is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. 
but it's oddly entertaining and like very gory. So worth checking out. All right. Interesting. Chris, did did you watch Raised by Wolves by chance? Uh, yes, I did. And I'm one episode until the end. Dude, the, the fucking season finale is fucking nuts. The show, I love the show. It is totally fucking it. Like anything you think that is going to happen in that finale, it's not like it's going to be totally. Oh my god, that show is fucking crazy. Like in a in a good way or in a, a good bad way. way. I I I really like that show a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely not horror. It's it's it, it's you know I feel okay talking about it because it's re, you know relevant the way Prometheus would be or whatever. I'm still not a hundred percent sure. Earlier in the season, I was 100% sure that this would not tie into Alien. I'm not 100% sure anymore. I almost would rather it didn't at this point. But Yeah, no, I, I definitely don't think that it will. I don't know. There, there's, there's some things. Uh, I don't know. I, there's it, some, I probably won't. There, there's some familiar themes with the androids, um, you know, as far as, like, bleeding milk. <laughs> yeah, dude, th- oh, my God. There, there's some horrific shit in that show, so... Um, um, see, I've been watching Lovecraft. So, are you up? I know we're all watching Lovecraft. Who's up to date? I am. No, I, I, mean, I, I am enough. I am enough. I haven't seen um, last last week's, but it kind of got spoiled for me a bit. I heard that it was a bit like a Nightmare on Elm Street to an extent. Uh, no, there's no, no, no. There's, there's, there's one. There's one it's in it. Really. There's one image that is an obvious nod. Yeah. And you see the trailer. It's a little girl skipping a rope, singing a rhyme. Um, no, it's it, it's not like. Okay. Okay. It, it, the final image of the episode I thought was fucking fantastic. I think this is going to be one of those shows that does not come back, like Watchmen, where it's just one and done. And. Well, I mean, like Sean, you you've read the book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have have either of you guys read the book as well? No, no. It's okay. I think it's I can't better read. Than a book. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? I think it's better than the book what? simply in that there's more. I mean, they had to add more visual horror stuff to it. Yeah, the book is, and this isn't a bad thing, but it's a it's a social issue book first and horror second. That's totally fine. I'm not knocking it, but. They've done. I don't like everything they've changed for the show, but overall, I like the show better than I like the book. And some of it is just for the sheer sake of like the grandiosity of what they're putting on screen. It's not the best CG I've ever seen. That's fine. You know, um, reminds me of Ash vs. Evil Dead a little bit, um, where some of the CG is questionable. But overall, I really like it. I like all the characters quite a bit, and I, I, I think it's going to be. I, I think it's just a great show. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I didn't read the book, but I did listen to the book on tape. Let's say you know the book. Then. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'm right there with you. I do feel like the book definitely needed more visual component to it. Um, so I do like some of those additions. You know, I really, really enjoy the one from a few weeks back. The, those real Cronenberg body horror you know exactly what I'm talking With about. With the potion, right? Yeah, yeah. So here, I actually, that's one of my pet peeves with the show. Really? And I, it's, it looks fucking great, 
but it makes no sense in the context of the way they use it. So in other words, oh, no, the, no, not at all. King, I mean, like the majority of the show doesn't make sense. Oh, no, but I mean, I mean, in, in the rules that they've already established, like, first of all, we've already seen one character change without any of that happening. And then secondly, Who, what, what character was that? There's a scene where Christina walks off camera for a second and then walks back, you know, and I guess you could take, you could, you know, there's ways you could explain it, but it's so grandiose the way that they're doing it when Ruby's drinking it. And then later it happens with Christina as well, where it's more this like complete Cronenbergian like body. I mean, but it's so but I mean, over the top. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like it just, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, they're doing it just for the visual gag and that's cool, but it doesn't really, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, as far as the whole thing with the with the quick change, you know, I can chalk that up to uh, it seems like they really only go full Cronenberg when they're changing back. You know, you really don't see any of the stuff that oh, happens when when they're that's okay, when, okay. when they're taking on whatever persona. That's interesting. Okay, well, touche. Um, all right, Anthony, what you got? I watched 1986's um, The Worst Witch. <laughs> never heard of this really no. it's fantastic it's great no me and my kid were, were sitting in bed the other night i was like hey you want to watch the worst switch and he didn't dispute that so you can't talk <laughs> with, uh, with 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 like the, it's the felt like the 15 minute tim curry music number Anything can happen on Halloween. Oh, I can do the whole thing. I, I was it. almost going to start singing that. <laughs> wait a minute. I know that, but I don't know that movie. Oh, man. Maybe yeah, I do no, know the movie. It's I, don't know. I mean, it's, it's pre-Harry Potter. You know, it's, it's yeah. proto-Potter. Proto-Potter. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's a fun one, though, man. I, I It was just like a staple growing up as a kid. I mean, it, it ran on all, all... I think it was Disney Channel. It's not a Disney film. No, uh, it was a... I remember when it got... Released, it was an HBO. It was an HBO made for cable movie. Yeah, but I remember, I, I remember it was on constantly throughout the month of October, and I just I fell in love with it back then, and yeah. uh, I I still try to watch it um, every October, just you know, for nostalgic purposes. But right. I love the film; it's still great. I mean, the cheesy music numbers and you know, really really bad effects that they do, and I don't know, it just throws oh, off as a little terrible. kid. It's, but it's so fun, and you know, it it, it hits the nostalgia button. Really it's all blue screen yeah, or green yeah, screen. It's so, green screen during that whole Tim Curry moment. It's all green screen. So, you see a little green around everything. But so now you got to follow that up with the uh, Through the Bulk um, Return to Oz. Oh, that movie. Which I have. I do have that. Yeah. That's a good flick. I can do that. Yeah. yeah. So That's a crazy movie. Make him poop his pants with that one. But I'll still a fun, you know, kids flick. Uh, I think we that. talked about this actually on one of our first episodes about gateway horror films, and, yep. and that's definitely one of them. Yeah. Yeah, dude, yeah. Good. you're starting your kid. I mean, shit, man, your your child is. You're starting them right. You're starting them right away. That's good. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. Right, <laughs> well, what you, you got, man? Um, well, on uh, Anthony's, uh, I think it was a couple episodes back that he talked about it. I decided to watch uh, uh Fright Night, the um, the remake this night? afternoon, oh. and I really it's quality. I... Um, I love the remake. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it's a good time. Like, I really, 
don't get me wrong, like I, I just really love the original so much and the sequel. But I thought it was really good. Like it yeah. was I thought I like the way like the way the things that they changed. I thought some of the things that they came up with were really original. I like the fact that he's kind of building more of like a a coven, or if you call it that, of, of new vampires. Like he's rebuilding his race there. Um, as compared to just killing off people and then just dumping their bodies. Um, it made a lot more sense that, you know, as, as an explanation of like, well, what, this stuff is just abandoned. Where do these people go? Like instead of the police finding a whole bunch of bodies, they're not finding anything. And so when he calls the cops on him, it doesn't make any sense because there's nobody missing. There's nobody from reporting gone. It's just, you know, and it makes also perfect sense that it's in this part of Vegas where people, you know, live in Vegas and like they always are constantly moving yeah. out of that neighborhood too. So, it, oh, that makes a lot of sense too. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, I love that I dug that little cameo by Chris Sheridan as the like driver that they crash, that crashes into him and gets murdered by Jerry. I was like, oh, that's so cool that they actually <laughs> caught him to come in and perform as the character. Um, but yeah, I, I really dug the shit out of it. I thought it was a really good time. It's solid. And I, I after Anthony talked about it, I bought it, and because he mentioned oh. it was out of print, and uh, yeah, it's I it really I saw it in a theater, and I really liked it. And man, I don't know, like, I it's it's very good. It's one of the better yeah. remakes, definitely. Tony Collette's yeah, great in it. Yelkin's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as remakes go, that was one of the, my favorite casting. You know, yeah, and Yelton, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, was great in it. Um, David Tennant. Oh, dude, he's, he's, <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah. He's 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 wonderful in just about anything. Yeah, he really is. And um, and Colin Farrell. Colin yeah, Farrell. Yeah. He, played, he played a really great vampire. I thought he, he does. Yeah, and and Tony Collette's great as the mom, and like just the way she like falls for him, and like the mistakes that she makes, and it's it. Man, it's it is really good. I really like it. Um. Chris, I want to steer your next entry because we've never, I've never talked about this on here and, and I would really like to talk about this with you and, and turn people on to this that don't know about it, including you two guys, Ray and Anthony. So I want to go a little bit in the podcasts and fictional podcasts. So months back, um, I, I'm going to start here, but it's not really where it started, but we both listened to Rebecca Klingel's podcast, Baraska, which um, yes. stars the guy that plays Jughead. I'm blanking on his name right now. Sprouse. Yeah. Dylan, Sprouse. Sprouse. Cole Sprouse. Cole Sprouse. There you go. Cole. There you go. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like an eight or ten episode fictional podcast. Re- Rebecca Klingel actually, I guess, did this on – no reddit's no sleep and then it caught mike flanagan's attention and she ended up being a one of the writers on um haunting of hill house and now she's also involved in bly manor which hopefully we'll be able to get to but so her so her basically her you know no sleep entry baraska really got her some good attention and then she ended up having the ability to do it as a podcast and a cast and a really like um, flesh it out and I don't know about you Chris but the, I loved it so much and the final episode of Baraska was one of the most pulse pounding fucked up terrifying things I've encountered in years yeah yeah no it, it was it was really good it was a fun run is there uh I know that they are doing a second season mm-hmm. um have you heard any news about no um 
I, I, I haven't really looked. I a lot of that stuff. It's like now I'm hesitant. I'm always hesitant to go like follow stuff too rigidly, or you'll get disappointed because it's like waiting for water to boil, right? You know, it's like the more you look, the longer it takes, kind of thing. So, yeah. I, I, and this is one of the reasons I've never talked about it on here is just because it's it keeps slipping between episodes. I, I always forget about it. But man, I mean, it, anybody that hasn't checked it out, like I said, it's it's not that long. And it's really, really good. And it's basically just this, like, the first episode, it starts, and it's like, I don't know, like, the brother is eight year old, eight years old, and the, the daughter is preteen or something, and they move to this new town, their dad becomes a sheriff, and it's in the um, Ozarks, I believe, and then um, you jump, and then Cole, that's where Cole Sprouse is, the teenage version of the boy, the daughter disappears. And you find out in this town, a lot of girls disappear. And there's actually this sound that, like, they hear resound from the hills, the forest around the town, and there and there's this lore about it, and it's like it involves the shining men and these women in white that come down and, and from the woods, and they have these barasca parties where whenever they hear this sound, all the teenagers go to this like this place, this treehouse thing, and have a party that night because somebody's going to disappear, and so it's very like you know kind of flipping your finger to fate or whatever. And all the adults dismiss it, even though after this happens, always a girl goes missing. And mm -hmm. so it's when the sister goes missing, and then uh, like later a friend goes missing, and and these characters headed by Sprouse, Sprouse's character, um, end up looking for her. And eventually they find in the final episode they do find out what's going on, and it's just it's fucked, man. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. oh yeah, wow. Um, Dude, send me a link. I'm on the road for like nine, ten hours out of the day. I'm always looking for something to listen to, man. You'll gobble it. I guarantee. Mm -hmm. I'll send it to you tonight. And Please then, do. Chris, I still am way the fuck behind. But you turned me <laughs> on to the Magnus Archives, which is the Magnus there's, Archives. Yeah, there's so many fucking episodes. It's daunting, but it's yeah. Great. It's um. I think I still have about sixty plus episodes to get to to get current with it. I think they're like 180 episodes now at this point. Jesus Christ. Uh, give us like a, like a, I don't know. A little synopsis um, thing. Yeah. So basically it's about this, uh, this guy who works for this, uh, this institute, the, uh, the Magnus Institute. And um, they're over in, over in England. And basically for the past, I forget how long, 100 years, something like that, these people have been um, tracking and archiving these different supernatural occurrences. And in his role as the, um, the, the archivist, archivist? Archivist? Yeah. Okay. And uh, in his role, it's his job now where he has to um, basically read all these old um all the old, the old paperwork, the old reports on everything, um, and just basically dictate them to audio. Uh, so each episode is him kind of reading these weird, different little, um, you know, pretty, kind, kind of Lovecraftian, uh, just very haunting stories of, you know, um, supernatural kind of things that have been, you know, eyewitness reports, basically. And as the show progresses, it starts to it starts to evolve out of this whole monster of the week kind of thing into um, he becomes a central player, um, basically of his own kind of report. 
and uh yeah just all kinds of weird weird shit happens and um it's really really enjoyable yeah it really is the readings are fucking great there's a little bit of a suspension of disbelief because it's the archivist reading it dramatically which you would think the archivist would not be reading it dramatically especially because he's a total scully about it and he doesn't you know it's like everything has a rational explanation to some degree um yeah and that is one thing i love about it because he will he will read the reports but then he will also add his own personal commentary yes and and it's so british like i i just i love how british it is i believe the author is i'm my phone just died as i was looking it up but i believe it is um jonathan sims i think is the author and yes jonathan sims and actually i have to check he had a book of short fiction come out recently i think based on like people are really interested in what like the Magnus Archives is so unique. It's the most unique horror I think I've heard in a very long time. What, mm-hmm. The first episode, I remember you told me to, to listen to the first episode and that would, you know, determine whether or not I liked it. I want to say it's, um, what is it named? Like the something fish or the... The anglerfish? Yes. The anglerfish. Mm-hmm. It's, dude, it's another one, guys. Like, Listen, just listen to that, and I think you'll know whether or not you're in. The only thing with it, and the reason why I keep slipping behind, is because there's so many episodes, and also it is very creature of the week until it's not, and it slowly works itself in where it's like there's a continuing story. But so I had to start keeping a list because they'd mention shit, and I'd be like, wait a minute, I think they mentioned this person before, and it, yeah. it like the kind of thing where I listened to it at work, and it got cumbersome to be able to keep. And I'm not one yeah. to listen to that. It is very intricate uh, yes. the further along that it goes. But I do have to say, I really do. Um, I really love the uh, the script flip that they did on it. Uh, it. It, you know, from basically from him telling the stories to him becoming part of the stories. It really. Uh, the only thing I can, I can compare it to is in um, in District Nine. How that starts yes. off. Yeah. Oh wow. As, as, how, how it starts off as a documentary. And then um, basically one camera change later, it's like, oh, shit, it's a full it's a full on movie. But you never really feel the change happen. You just kind of realize after the fact that like, wait, when did when did this just happen? That's really the only kind of thing I can compare it to. That's a really good comparison. Yeah, so that, there you go. Um, Anthony, what do you got? Wax work. I watched it, too. Yeah. Nice. Part one or part two? Part one. Part one, nice. I got them both. The the, the Vestron Blu-ray has both both films in it. I just I've only had time to get through the first one. Same. I mean, I've seen it before. I've seen it growing up, and and I haven't seen it in probably ten or twelve years. Same. It still holds up. It's still fun. It's, it's it, oh know, yeah. It's not nothing. There's nothing original about it. It's you know creepy um, spook house in the middle of nowhere, or in the middle. In this case, in the middle of like the suburbs which is really well that's bizarre. what i love and they say it right away where they're like oh that's a weird place for a waxworks like yeah. some kind of a franchise that they're familiar with and like oh it's like the house next door is now yeah. a wax museum <laughs> but it's fun it's fun as hell like i, I, yeah, it is. I mean it, it, it is you know it's there's nothing to be spoiled here i'm sure a lot of people have seen it by well, now even if you haven't it's not really it's not really about the spoiler it's it's just it's the yeah lot. i I, th- I think you know for 30 plus year old movies you don't need to worry about spoilers yeah 
Right. You know, if you haven't seen it by this point, I don't think anything that we say is going to change your mind. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. But still fun as hell. The werewolf is cheesy as shit. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love that scene where he's squeezing that dude's head. And he's yelling, ow, oh, my head. And then you just see blood spray all <laughs> over the wall. It's hysterical. <laughs> that, I love it's so fun, man. Dude, the way they make, we talked about this, the way they make the Marquis de Sade, this like swashbuckling, like good looking <laughs> pirate no guy. And it's like, no. no Wait, you mean, you mean he wasn't? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> The history books lied. Yeah, the history books lied. I think he more resembled the hedgehog than uh, than Errol Flynn. <laughs> he didn't talk about anal sex enough, so no, it didn't that's make true. It. That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. Fair Sorry, point. I had to go. <laughs> you know, the thing that struck me on a rewatch of that like a couple months back, and it was that um, I forget the name of the main character right now, but um, that Billy uh, from Gremlins. Yeah, but is, it, is the name Billy in it? Yeah, Zach Galifianakis. Oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis. Zach, Zach, Zach Galligan. Zach it, yeah, Galligan. Zach Galligan. I know, I know. But was um, I forgot how much of like at the beginning of the film how much of like a yuppie douchebag he is. Yeah. He's so yuppie douchebag. Yeah, like you're just like, oh, I don't like this guy, and then he becomes the hero of the film. Yeah, he like, turns oh, hero, and everybody fucking loves him. I'm like, okay, yeah. well. This works. Fuck it. <laughs> and the chick, uh, Deborah Foreman from Valley Girl, has haunted like every movie I've like. I feel like every other movie I watch lately, she's in. I forget what the other one was. I just watched something else. I'm like, God damn. Uh, April Fool's Day. Sean, like, yeah, Sean. yeah. Sean, Sean, yeah. Don't, don't turn around. She's right behind you. Oh shit. <gasps> I'm not turning around. <laughs> oh man. Ray, uh, you got anything else? Uh, sure. Well, I decided to rewatch because uh, um, it's Halloween, or rather, it's the month of Halloween. So I rewatched uh, Vampire in Brooklyn, which I hadn't seen in years. Uh, Anthony, um, you just watched this too, didn't you? I just I bought it. Yeah, I saw it when it came out in the theaters, and then I feel like I watched it like once or twice after that, and then I just forgot about it. And it popped up on Stars. So I went to the app and checked it out and I liked it more than I did back in the day. I think because I was expecting it to be more of a comedy the first time I saw it and I just didn't know what to do with it first time I saw the movie. And now I feel like it's, it's a lot more of a horror movie and um, it's also, uh, it also very firmly feels like an homage definitely to Blackula. Like it's, and it's, oh yeah, you can't you can't not make yeah. that. Yeah, and it's I mean it's such a, a black um, black centered horror movie that it's like to see that kind of made back in the day and like I didn't even realize that at the time that back then that it was a Russ Craven movie, but it's pretty good. It's worth the time. I've never seen it, so I'll take you up on it. I just bought the Blu-ray. I'm really looking forward to checking out the specs and seeing how they scrubbed it up. Is it that they do have the scene in there where they they're like outside at the church and they have the old Satan is good bit? Yes. That, yeah. That, good. Yes. Yeah. Evil is good. Yeah, I remember that. It was that got a chuckle out of me when I was a young lad. Well, now the you other have... one we watched was uh, Sleepy Hollow. What? Oh, wait, which one? Oh, the Burton. Oh God, that's awful. Um. I, I I was I was gonna what, bring up what 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 Sean? I know what? I'm sorry I'm sorry, that was that was the the first 
the first failing in my Tim Burton fan armor was seeing that well after it was released. I didn't see that till like 2002 or three. Oh, really? I fucking Oh, I saw I, it in the theaters. I hated it. I liked the basic premise. I thought the first act was great. The second act was great. And unfortunately, like a lot of Burton's films lately, the third act, everything falls apart. Man, it, the set design and everything is so great. And it's so tempting to like. But I just... The ah. story was good. The, the, I mean, the setup was good. Um... But yeah, just at some point it turned into, um, you know, it turned into an action film. Well, and, it, and it was yeah. never, it was yeah. never meant to be an it's action. It's got the film. worst ending I've ever seen. Horseman, and he throws him. I mean, it's so. Oh my god, it just boggles my mind. I don't know. It, it, yeah, I, I, I can't think of any 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 reason why a uh, you know 18th century uh, windmill would just explode. Yeah, Tim Burton can. You know, it doesn't have yeah, to explain it to you, Mister. It's that it's all that flammable uh, grain that they're yeah, doing. There you, you know, there you go. Yeah. Johnny Depp at least looked kissable in it. So I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is there ever a time when he doesn't? I, I was I was just gonna say the same thing. I need to pull out that Polanski flick he's in, The Ninth Gate. I, I, I that oh, that's that's yeah, great. I, yeah, I love that one. It definitely had a lot of. Um, Kind of omen vibes to yeah, me definitely. in terms of just the way. What was that, that one where he was a gangster? He was like a balding gangster. Oh, what, black the, mask. The That's the, black, yeah, that yeah. one. That was badass. I, I haven't seen that. Terrifying that movie. Um, real quick, I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to mention back on the podcast thing. So right now, the Brett Easton Ellis podcast is it's behind a paywall. It's a Patreon. I think I pay four bucks a month. It's like two dollars a creation. There might even be a, a tier lower than that. I'm not, no, I think that's the lowest tier. But he's basically serializing his new novel, which is, so he's very good at this. Um, it's biography of events that happened to him in 1981 as a teenager in Los Angeles. And it involves a serial killer called the Trowler. Now, I don't think any of this is real. My, my second favorite novel ever is Lunar Park. I'm rereading it right now. I always reread it every couple of years for Halloween because it takes place around Halloween. It's basically his homage to Stephen King. But it's, he's the main character. And it takes, when I first read it, I didn't know that much about him. And I'm like, is, like it's, he talks about himself and he blurs fact and fiction. And so it deals with him marrying this uh, actress named, I think it's Jane Dennis, who was, uh, he had a, a child with Keanu Reeves. So it's like her or two child, two children. It's her and her two children and him move to Connecticut and he starts teaching at a college and then some fucked up shit happens or whatever. Uh, so he's very good at mixing fact and fiction. And so I think that's what this is because if you Google any of this that he's talking about in, in this new one and there's no name for it yet. It, he said, it's like, I haven't shopped this to anybody. I don't even know if this is going to come out. I'm just going to read it for the first hour of my podcast every you know time I put it out and it's it's fucking great I mean it's there's obvious stuff that is definitely I know that this was probably memoir and realistic but this prowler stuff I'm not quite sure and he said like oh people are saying you know this is made up but um he's saying he's changed every name or whatever and even the trawler and whatever but it's it's just really really I don't know I, I love him so it's cool to get a new piece of of fiction from him and have it this you know have him reading it 
twice a month or whatever. Um, and then just real quick, because I watched Waxworks and shortly thereafter I watched 976 Evil. And I just <laughs> love 976 Evil so fucking much. I tried the sequel, not so much. I'm, it, it's pretty bad. I, I 977 off. Evil? Yeah. No, it's Wynorski directed it. So 976 Evil, Robert Englund's directorial debut. And um, I just, man, I just, I fucking love that movie. It's obviously influenced by the nightmare flicks. There's so many things that England did, you know, that are dreamlike and very Freddy-ish. But it's, and also just because, and I was talking to like some younger guys that work for me on my team at work. And like, I'm explaining to them there. Yeah, there was a period of time before the internet where there was this thing in the like mid eighties where like there were nine, seven, six numbers with these like adventure stories and people would call. <laughs> it's like blew everybody's mind. I'm like, yeah, it was like five bucks a minute or something. Like there were people that did this blocky huh. shit and made like a mint doing it. It's, wow. I, I find it fascinating. So basically, so, so basically we're in the wrong line of business right now. Yeah, basically. If only we could do that now. Hey, you know, so in a way that was kind of like the uh, the Patreon uh, of, of its day. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, I think we're going to run out of time. So for the two-year anniversary of the Horror Vision, I'm Sean. I am Anthony. I'm Chris. And I'm Ray. And we will see you guys soon enough. But have a happy, happy Halloween if we don't see you until then. Or hear, hear you. Or you hear us. Kisses. Like, seriously. <laughs> yeah, man, I picked up this Tascam 4-track, and, you know, we're going to do an album on it. Ugh. New from the Horror Vision Press. Sean C. Baker's Shadowplay Book 1, Kim and Jesse. If our reflections woke up, would they hate us? Would they envy our world? Would they try to take it? Two worlds on a collision course, and 15-year-old Jesse Roberts is caught in the middle. Shadowplay Book 1, Kim and Jesse, is available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. Also available, A Collection of Desires, Seven Tales of Modern Horror. These seven tales bring the horror home to our modern world.